Street. Hello and welcome back to the Rough Trade Edit podcast. My super special guests this week are the lovely Ellie and Holly of South London band Goat Girl, who will be discussing their long-awaited second album, On All Fours, indulging in creativity and teaming up once again with the now legendary producer, Mr. Dan Carey. The record is out now and you can grab it, of course, at roughtrade.com on a rather beautiful pink vinyl. Um, So last week saw the highly anticipated announcement of the debut album from Squid, released via Warp this May and promising to be everything that you wished for and more. Uh, The record is called Bright Green Field and as the title suggests, expect church bells, bees, choirs, but do not be distracted by the pastoral imagery because the juxtaposition is never, ever far away with this band. Um, We have a shiny red Rough Trade exclusive vinyl edition of this one. Absolutely flying off the shelves they are. So pre-order pronto at roughtrade.com and here's a taster of their brand new single. This is Squid and Narrator. So bloody excited for that one. Roll on May is all I'm going to say. So edit highlights this week and fresh into our curation drops the hugely exciting debut from the talented Arlo Parks. If you haven't heard of Arlo by now, then I mean, I don't know where you've been. Her emotional, heartbreaking and beautiful poetry exploring betrayal and hope should be on absolutely everybody's playlist. Um, Her candid and confessional style is instantly affecting and you'd be absolutely mad to miss it. Um, So it's out now on Transgressive and it is bound to be one of the records of 2021. So check out this track. This is the wonderful Arlo Parks and Hope. Mary tried to talk the pleasure back into being alive. Reminiscing about the apricots and blunts on Peckham Rye. Next up, and it's been a good couple of weeks now, but Sleaford Mod's sixth album, Spare Ribs, is still spinning non-stop, proving that however throw away a rib or two may be, this set of songs is here to stay. They're rallying commentary on government entitlement, firm, heard and adored. So some of the standout tracks feature Mod's friends and brilliant artists in their own right, Billy No Mates and, of course, Amy Taylor of Amal and the Sniffers. The latter heard rapping on this absolute banger of a track, which I've become so, so obsessed with in the last week, um, which I'm going to play you a bit of now. So, yeah, this is Sleep of Mods and Amy Taylor, and this is Nudge It. Nudge it, you're just a mind that's praying and praying on walls And the after effects are making my skin crawl You're just a mind Drop a name. I do it for the pleasure, the money, and the fame. 
So finally this week, and relevant now more than ever, Stephen Wilson's new album is an exploration of how the human brain has evolved in the internet era. The Future Bites features gorgeous electronic sounds warped by human intervention, soaring acoustics that head straight upwards into the stratosphere, relentless bass-driven motoric grooves and a swampish, murky funk. Very, very possibly his most consistent work to date this. Have a listen to the track I'm about to play you. This is Stephen Wilson and Self. And that wraps another album highlights this week. Next up, I have Goat Girls, Holly and Ellie, who call up with me ahead of the release of On All Fours, the band's second album out on Rough Trade Records. Um, The band have navigated both collective and very, very personal challenges since their debut in 2018 and have emerged with a confident and triumphant new album, which I'm so, so excited is finally here. Um, I encourage you all to go hear it after, of course, immersing yourself in this interview. Thank you so much for listening and I will catch you in the next one. So Ellie and Holly of Goat Girl, welcome to the Rattled Edit podcast. Um, huge congratulations on the new album, On All Fours, which arrives on the 29th of January. Um, so the first single off the new record, Sour Cowboy, came out, I think, back in September of last year. So I wondered kind of how the response has been since you launched that first single and how kind of fans and people have kind of reacted on your return. Um, ahead of the release of the new record? Um, I think quite a few people have been surprised, seemingly. Um, Like, just from, like, reading YouTube comments and stuff, like, oh, my God, they're using simps. (laughs) Um, And I guess it is, like, sonically quite disparate from our first record, but I think there is also quite a lot of similarities but yeah overall the the feedback that we've had and like the reaction from our fans has been like amazing couldn't have really asked for much better I don't think and has it been um I guess in the lead up to to releasing that first single because I believe the record was finished kind of January of last year when the world was a little bit different to how it is now has kind of the pandemic and kind of the subsequent kind of isolation periods and things like that kind of changed the way you were feeling in the build up to that first single coming out and kind of the announcement of your return? I guess it was something to look forward to. Um, I think even then, obviously, like we've had to plan ahead and then kind of went with September, end of September for the first single. And mm. I feel like maybe even at that point, we thought by January things might sort of maybe return to like some form of normality, which obviously now isn't the case but um, yeah no um 
remember what the original question was, like how we feel about it. I mean, it was finished. We recorded it in, um, in October, November of 2019. So that is quite a long time ago now. And then we mastered it at Abbey Road, like very shortly before lockdown in sort of March. Um, and I think obviously we'd spent so long kind of writing and got really close to it and kind of got really like in our heads with it that it's been kind of nice to have a bit of space from it. And like now we can kind of, yeah, we still love it and get excited about it all over again sort of thing. But it doesn't feel old because we haven't had the opportunity to like play them live really. Um, yeah. So it doesn't feel old. It still feels like fresh and exciting, but it's nice to have a bit of space from it because you can get quite like, you know, too close to something for a while and it's good to take a breather for it from it. Does this feel then like kind of the right time for it to come out? Would Originally, were you planning or hoping that it would come out a bit sooner or has this kind of just fallen into place in quite a natural way? Yeah, we were planning on releasing it um, sooner, but like initially the reason that we held back the release was um, because of my cancer diagnosis and we kind of just like put a lot of stuff on hold and then on top of that there was the pandemic which me meant that it kind of got pushed back further um, than we'd hoped but um, yeah I think ultimately there's not much that you could have done about it so it is the right time for the record to come out. <laughs> like you said I guess it's something for not only yourselves but everybody your fans to kind of look forward to and it's like a really kind of bright positive thing in what's been kind of yeah. a really difficult time for everyone especially yourselves so yeah I think there's there's a sense of um I don't know personally at the moment I feel sort of in a way maybe through the distance that I've had from gigs and music in its physical form I almost feel like closer to it and I appreciate and cherish like music more. It means like that much more to me now mm. than it did pre-COVID, I think. I don't know if you feel that way, Holly. Yeah, definitely. We I feel like we were all getting like a little bit jaded with it perhaps, or like kind of, you know, we've all been to so many gigs and played so many gigs and done that with our social lives for ages. I feel like I definitely like kind of took that for granted. Sometimes I'd be like, oh, I can't can't be asked to go out tonight I'm just gonna stay at home blah 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 and that's just like mm -hmm. yeah that's obviously not the case at the moment like dying to go and like see someone play like even just to hear just to hear music like amplified at that volume like my ears are just like they're probably doing really well they're probably really healthy but like <laughs> I don't know it's just weird it's just not something that you can really experience at home even if you put your headphones on or whatever and blast it it's not the same feeling like that you get like within you when you're actually watching something live um and yeah it's like an emotional kind of release I guess which definitely probably took for granted um but yeah obviously everyone's safety has to come first and it will hopefully happen again in the future like we announced our UK and Ireland tour like this morning and then I've seen some funny comments and like people on Instagram and sharing stories and stuff like I've booked this and this like might actually happen. And like, I really want to go to a gig. Yeah. It's, it's so funny, isn't it? I guess we're all kind of in, particularly in kind of musical land, all in kind of the same boat. Everybody's being restricted and having these feelings of, yeah, how much we used to take it for granted and this weird space of having been distanced from it for so long. 
and you keep kind of having these moments of like could this possibly happen and it's looking like yeah summer 2021 is when it's all going to come back and it's kind of difficult to kind of let yourself believe that it's 100% going to be a thing but then it's also so important to have something to look forward to and kind of that positive outlook that things are going to get back to how they were and it's not gone forever and you know yeah like we're proceeding with like a lot of caution um as everyone else is and it does feel like oh September like that's kind of soon yeah. but um yeah obviously you're gonna like offer refunds and stuff if it doesn't happen but it was just I, I kind of got the sense this morning when we made the announcement it's kind of like quite a hopeful one yeah. people kind of hoping to go and us hoping to play and um yeah it's, it's like, like, realistic doesn't it yeah it's it's on the brink of realistic i feel like yeah everyone's sort of wind maybe november and stuff is a safer bet but um yeah hopefully we can do it and hopefully we can be out there as, sort of as soon as it's safe to do so and it'll be really exciting to do that definitely definitely so i just wanted to chat a bit about kind of the writing for this record and kind of when did that kind of begin i think you said you finish you finish writing it did you finish writing it end of 2019 did you say yeah we recorded it like october november of 2019 so i think it probably took us really about a year to write it didn't it because i i joined the band in, around that time the year before like i joined in like kind of late-ish 2018 like i feel like my first tour with you guys was like september 2018 and then we had to like finish all those dates that were rescheduled from when Rosie got burnt and then we had some other stuff and gigs and stuff and then we started writing together like probably yeah end of 2018 into the beginning of uh, 2019 and we were just like getting to know each other because I was new and all of that stuff and uh, took us a while to get warmed up and we yeah there's so much it was a long process we went to like lots of places and tried lots of things changed instruments a lot um but yeah eventually got to a place that we were really happy with everything i was gonna ask about kind of the approach to album two um kind of thematically but also just kind of in process compared to album one but i suppose that's more of a question for ellie perhaps but yeah for sure is it is it changed up like quite a lot quite dramatically the themes changed, but I think they kind of developed as well from the first record. I don't think it's like the first record, Goat Girls talking about like something and then they went on to talk about something completely different. I feel like we've gone from talking about sort of like social issues and like social justice and like... Um, human emotions and exploring humans in their sort of glory and their gore um, through to the second album. Um, but just in maybe less of a, I don't know, in more of a explorative way, I think, and more of an insular way and questioning things not only on the outside but about ourselves as people as well and you've got Dan Carey back for album two um, who also produced your first record I guess it must be really great to have that kind of familiarity but did the way in which you work with the way in which you worked with him kind of evolve at all from the first time round did you feel like 
you kind of, I don't know, spoke up more, had kind of more input yourselves, or did it kind of just flow on from the way that you worked together in the first record? I feel like it definitely flowed on um, from the first record because, yeah, there was no question about who was going to produce this album. Like, it was just, like, we didn't even talk about it. It was just, like, Wednesday coming down to the rehearsal to see (laughs) our songs and hear hear them um, rather than who. But, um, so, yeah, it kind of carried on, like, the reason that we love working with Dan the first time around was because he's just so passionate about music and he's got like all of this crazy equipment um in his house like there's this tangle of wires and like boutique amps and pedals and like vintage guitars and like if you're a musician you kind of feel like a child in like some kind of magical like playground in his studio and um, like he very much lets you explore that space and like all of the equipment that he has and he'll suggest things but never be like overbearing with his suggestions Um, and I think the initial reason why we were also attracted to working with him the first time round was because of his sort of knowledge of synths and electronics which we kind of knew that we wanted to get into even when we were recording the first album. Um, Cause we all, I feel like all of our music taste is like, that's kind of like the one crossover with us all. There's quite a few different crossovers, but that one is quite clear with all of our music tastes that we all like electronic music in some form. Yeah, with Dan as well. Um, it was good for me cause I actually knew Dan before I joined Goats or before I even really knew some of Goats very well because okay. I used to actually um I actually joined his band called Scotty Brains because I won I won a competition at the windmill I won a raffle to join his band so I did that for quite a while while their other singer was was pregnant so it was weird because I was kind of friends with Dan sort of first and then when got introduced to goats it it made sense so it was really like nice for me to record with Dan as well one because I knew him too because I was always wanted to make a record with him and it was just very comfortable so it was like nice to just slot in there but yeah Dan's like he's just um got this like incredible sort of energy and ability to like kind of bring ideas to life and like bring the best out of people um like he's very positive and enthusiastic and he'll sort of like come up with this whole plan of how to like make the record like exactly what it should be um not only just with like instruments and kind of technical stuff but he has sort of ideas about well I'll, well let's not like play the same song in a, twice in a row because you'll lose the energy or you'll get sort of tired or or down on yourselves and stuff like that so he brings like a lot to the table um and not all of it's yeah technical stuff a lot of it's about him as a person his personality and everything like that yeah which you can't really you can't really uh put a price on that kind of thing no not at all I guess he must feel yeah kind of like part of the family in that sense and I guess having that trust in someone to kind of yeah look after your record and help you make the art that you want to is so so important and really kind of shows in the end result I'm sure and how you kind of yeah look back on that time and 
the way you move forward and the way you evolve. Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to say the aesthetics for the record are like absolutely stunning. I adore the artwork. I adore the photography, the kind of color palettes, your outfits, just the works. It's so, so brilliant. Um, so I wanted to ask a bit about at what point is that kind of all built into the process? And is it something that you guys kind of definitely lead on as a band and make all the decisions upon? Yeah, I kind of feel like the the first record, we were kind of thrown into it quite a young age. I think we were 18 when we got signed to Rough Trade. So we sort of didn't really think about that stuff that much. We were thinking about the music and not necessarily like our aesthetic or like ourselves as like some anything more than the music basically like we get photos taken but just in like the clothes that we wear to work and stuff not not really thinking that we we could like make it fun for ourselves and I think for me that was the main thing was because we we're all quite creative people and like paint and draw and have creative ideas and know creative people and have friends who um, are like very talented. So we just kind of wanted to utilize them and get them involved at the same time as like, um, yeah, it's quite interesting actually with, with the album artwork, Toby and Aiden sort of painted that from listening to the record loads and being around the record when it was being written so they have they were very much influenced by the music and then from there like we did a set design with our friend Flo White and she was very much influenced by the album artwork by Toby and Aiden and those pictures are taken by Holly Whitaker and it's kind of just like this big snowball effect of like when there's an artistic idea rolling then it then it's you can become so inspired yeah because like kind of specifically we took inspiration from like well you'll see it when it comes out but on the inner in the inner sleeve of the in the of the record what's that bit called like when you open it up and you see it anyway there's this kind of scene where it's like a big pink pool of water and like different characters like kind of floating in that and then we kind of took sort of the colours from one, yeah, sort of the colours from that and showed that to flow and then kind of used those sort of drapes and we like filled this paddling pool full of like pink liquid. And it was obviously at no point were we ever trying to like exactly replicate. It was kind of like, oh, here's an idea and like flows our friend and she's an incredible artist. So we'll get her like kind of interpretation of that. Yeah. And that also happened with the videos as well. Like, so we kind of said, oh, well, we want to take this idea from the artwork because there's so much going on in the artwork. I mean, the, the original inspiration was sort of like from a Hieronymus Bosch painting where there's like a million different like little details, like where, where's Wally stuff going on? Then so anytime we were kind of looking for any idea or inspiration, we would just kind of refer back to that and like pick out bits of it that we liked or bits of it that we thought suited like that particular track. Like with Cowboy, we picked out certain characters from the artwork that we felt like fitted with the lyrics of the song and then we passed those on to Jocelyn who directed that video and then she had again had her own interpretation of bringing that to life and like with humans <laughs> like actors and stuff like that because yeah. at, at each point we wanted like every artist to like show their style but then the ideas were all sort of coming from the same place 
so it's really cool like interesting process to see like different people's take on it and obviously molly uh pendleberry who did the crack video again like the masks were inspired by characters that toby and adian had drawn but then it was like molly's interpretation of that and um yeah it all like looks so beautiful um so there's kind of like an endless supply of yeah inspiration within the artwork because there's so much going on yeah. and such an incredible use as you say of creative people that you've got around you and kind of tapping into all of those skills i wanted to ask actually about the the video for the crack because it's so kind of super surreal but it's also like pretty hypnotizing to watch um was that obviously it's on a beach um so I kind of wanted to ask about that filming process and like, cause it looked pretty windy, but I feel like that really added to like the costumes that you had on and stuff. Um, but yeah, what was that like to create? And was that like, yeah, I guess was that in, was, was that filmed last year? So 2020? Yeah. yeah. So like that must have been quite a nice escape from all the kind of craziness of the world to go down to the beach and film a crazy video. Yeah. I have really fond memories of, that time um yeah because we filmed in botany bay uh which is like on the kent coast and we drove down with um with all of the crew and the dancers as well um so it was nice to not only like be at the seaside but also like meet new people and sort of work on something creatively um but yeah, it was fucking freezing. <laughs> I remember like my hands and my feet were so cold, especially when we did like the shots, um, like where we're we're kind of barefoot, like shuffling across the sand. <laughs> so cold. But at the same time, there's something so rewarding about like a long filming day like that because we did two quite long days um, from like six in the morning till eight in the evening or something. And um like you really feel like you've done a good hard day's work when you're shuffling in the sand in the cold and um yeah basically that was it was really diy like molly did so much she, you know she did everything, did everything. Like, she made masks she designed the costumes she directed it she produced it she organized everything it was kind of incredible it was actually amazing um how much she did to make that work and um yeah no we're very grateful like molly's ideas are just so cool like really surreal like you said with the weird kind of like headpieces blowing in the wind um and i think yeah they were meant to be kind of like big and flappy and stuff and it and it just um i don't know she just did an amazing job <laughs> i don't know how i don't know i couldn't do that <laughs> she's just got such great ideas and then knows how to make them happen as well the end result is brilliant. It's such escapism as well, isn't it? When it's something that is surrealist and yeah, I love it. It's great. Brilliant video. Um, so I read a story about the the title for the record that it came from maybe a book you were given when you were at Dan's house. Is that right? Yeah. So we were having like dinner upstairs at dance uh after i don't know if we were recording or mixing and obviously we kind of had to think of a a record title and it was kind of silly really we were just um dan's wife sort of came out with this book i think it's called giles goat boy and passed it to lottie we're just having like a bit of a silly like oh it's called goat boy let's have a look and 
just kind of flicking through looking for phrases and stuff and um yeah we wrote down a few like silly things he had a few silly ideas kind of knocking around but it just seemed to like connect when Lottie read it out we all kind of I think Ellie was on the phone you were there but you were like not in the moment of the shouting and then like Lottie just said it and then we all just kind of like looked at each other like yeah that's really good and started like shouting and like banging the table and just like shouting it and then we're like Ellie what do you think of this and you were like nah (laughs) I don't know why I, I don't know why but since then I don't know we didn't really like talk about it or argue we didn't really talk that much about like what the title was going to be it kind of just I'm kind of glad we didn't have to go through like a million options of deciding different things I think we kind of just started to draw meaning out of it um and I think it does suit the music quite well you know there's like a silly side to it like a naughty side to it like an animalistic side to it there's like you know there's four of us there's so many like simple like ways of interpreting it but yeah I don't know it's just quite funny really yes so did that come like really quite kind of last in the process as it were like everything else was kind of done and it was untitled or Hmm. I don't know I guess we just hadn't thought about it too much we kind of like I don't know like even the tracks we were still changing the names of them like way after it was all done it was kind of like we just kind of had working titles for things and obviously we knew we had to have an album title but I think we just kind of believed that it would just come (laughs) and it sort of did. I think our first record like we toyed with the idea of having an album name but then we just like couldn't agree on anything so we were just like oh should we just self-title it? Yeah. I've never had to have that thing like working out song titles are hard enough. Mm let alone like an album title. <laughs> and it's nice that you kind of had a almost group light bulb moment, I suppose, and that it's kind of got a nice story attached to it. So you can kind of look back on that. That'll be kind of a nice thing. I think it works really well. But I mean <laughs> that's good. I'm glad you like it. I do I do now. It was just yeah. the initial thing. Everyone was like I know was and I was like what is this like some kind of porno like (laughs) (laughs) well it kind of was but it makes sense you know it's about submission giving in and also maybe finding power in that as well there's there's many many things I actually didn't think about sex when I first heard it I just thought about a goat standing on four legs Uh, maybe we've all just got like way more dirty minds than you Um, So I was chatting to Black Country New Road um, in the previous show and they were kind of saying how great it is to be kind of surrounded by such a great group of peers um, in the bands that are kind of coming up alongside them. So I guess you guys are a bit further down the line in your career, but do you kind of share that sentiment is having that kind of support network of bands that are your friends, the kind of South London scene, is that something that you really feel very positive about? There's loads of, you know, really great bands about. I mean, it feels like it's, it's just been so long since that's been a thing, though. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's just been inside. I think yeah. even from being inside, like, Tina had their album launch oh, yeah. and there's been, like, a few windmill gigs and stuff. And even just that, like, interaction with the people that we're used to seeing live and playing shows with and sort of hanging around with like just having that bit of interaction for me reminds me that 
they're all still there and that mm. isn't going anywhere it's just kind of a bit inactive right now yeah. um yeah it's just hard to like really have any kind of a community at the moment when you're not allowed to meet up mm. with anyone yeah. <laughs> definitely i do hear you with that 100 percent. i guess so as much as you even at your tour and that's coming like quite a lot later in the year you did a, a live session was I think it was maybe just before Christmas one of the tracks of which is up on YouTube oh um, the video thing yes was that kind of one of your first I guess public kind of performances of some of the new tracks yeah completely um it was the first time we'd actually kind of played them in the full format of the tracks as it were because um obviously there's four of us and there was like quite a lot of synth and stuff on the record and the way that we wrote it was that someone was kind of playing keys at the time and then there was sort of extra sort of guitar parts added and bits sort of added on top so like really because Dan came in and played synth with us it was kind of the first time we'd heard like all of the parts together like live really um and it was really exciting and it was it was really fun and we got flow again obviously we went she's got like a bunker in her back in her back garden um and she kindly decorated it in like her stage design and stuff and um let us let us record some stuff there because obviously that's in in place of being able to like actually actually gig and stuff we wanted to have some stuff to put out that people could see um that we were happy with and um yeah there's some more of those coming hopefully quite soon um probably around yeah yeah, very soon or they might even be out by the time this comes out um <laughs> have you found it quite a challenge or quite i guess maybe exciting is the wrong word but something to get your teeth into a bit as in terms of learning how to adapt to the current kind of climate for promotion and kind of the process of releasing a new record with what's going on has it been pretty tough has it been you know a distraction I suppose and working out the ways that you can do things be it live streams or whatever else it might be that you guys can kind of create together yeah I think it's it's for me it's been like a whole new world of like social media and like interacting with fans in ways which I don't think I would have necessarily have thought to do before. Like even just that question thing on Instagram is like a good way to pass your time. Also like a nice way to connect with people who like our music as well. Um, so yeah, there's like under the surface, there's been like another level of like social interaction, um, which we've definitely got more involved with with the absence of physical shows yeah and like tom we we work very closely with like rough trade obviously and um tom's like very inventive and has you know we talk a lot about things we could be doing or should be doing or yeah know. amazing he's been kind of done a lot of that hard work for us i feel like in terms of like thinking like how to how to do that um obviously like the kind of the live session that you saw was sort of his idea and he worked really hard and like beggars got involved and filmed that for us and we're like you know they've they've put forward a lot of nice ideas that we've been able to get on board with to kind of do things in in the absence of of live things and 
I don't know, I feel like creatives and people in music and stuff like that, they always find ways to adapt. You know, we've all, most people in creative type things um, always are doing like multiple things at once, maybe like working multiple jobs and we're very adaptable, sort of resourceful people. Um, and I think that's kind of just been seen again with like the way loads of bands have kind of tried to adapt to the to the times and make the most of it. Yeah, definitely. And there's always so many bands, you know, some of which are, you know, fully engaged in their social media and they do things all the time, always looking at new ways to kind of get content out there. And then there's, I guess, the bands that have maybe shied away from it, aren't so confident on it. But this situation has really forced people to kind of, the point where you kind of have to be a bit more present on it to a degree, or you have to be a bit more, yeah, creative in the way you communicate things to people if it can't be as physical as it once was. So, yeah, I can imagine that's a real challenge. But I guess that's kind of, the nice thing in this situation is that there have been so many brilliant ideas and brilliant things that have come out of it that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise have had before. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like we've enjoyed doing, we've said before, like we've enjoyed doing like quite a lot of press via Zooms and stuff because it's quite nice to kind of just sort of have a day and like just, you can be at home and be comfortable and have a cup of tea and just like yeah. do all that kind of thing. So there's a few things that have come out of it there's a few ways that have come out of it that I think are perhaps arguably, I don't know, sort of better. Um, the, the sheer number of like interviews that we're able to do from our own home. Yeah. Like not only is, are we like more comfortable because we're in our own space and I think maybe more inclined to open up more mm. about who we are in the record more so than if we were in like a pub or a cafe or in like a kind of formal situation with like an interviewer awesome so guys thank you so so much for chatting to me today for this interview um wishing you all the very best with the record with this year the tour fingers crossed that will happen at the end of 2021 um and all the, the good things that are sure to come your way i'm sure everything can only get bigger and brighter yeah thank you for having us yeah thank you emily talk to you um, could you pick a track from the record that we can play you guys out with? Um, hoping that this podcast will be out and that record will be out by the time that this goes live to everybody. So kind of the floor is there for you to pick any track that you like. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you have a favourite, a collective favourite, or is it kind of everyone's got their own, their own favourite? Everyone's got, got their own favourite. There are obvious bangers. Yeah. Oh, bang. Bang, yeah, bang. Because it's a banger. <laughs> Good choice. Guys, thank you so, so much. And hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you at Rough Trade. Super, super soon. No, oh, thank you, Emily. Help to support what we do. So if you like what you hear, then please rate us on iTunes.